are now entering the Brooks. Your hosts are the intrepid and all-knowing Jason T. Gaffney and the insipid and unknowing Kevin Held. Join these two buddies as they explore history and find the bright side in shitty things. Hello, you're on the Bright Side with Kevin and Jason, your weekly comedy about tragedy. I'm your co-host, Kevin Held. And I'm the other co-host, Jason T. Gaffney. Yay, hey, Jason! Hello! I, I decided to go really, really just bright and happy with it this time, and actually, I, it affects me. I feel much better. I like that. I can't wait to destroy your optimism. Wow, you're a dick. <laughs> this is fact. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I got I got the seasonal allergies going on. Oh, sure. Well, tis the season. Yeah. I mean, it's the lovely flowers have started. So for the rest of the country that's still in winter, it's coming. It's winter coming. Winter is coming? No. <laughs> Spring is coming. Spring is coming. Sure. But out here, so far as we have seasons, it's already here. Yeah. I guess technically, though, winter is always coming. Well, Sure. Until you're in winter, and then winter has come. Right, and then it has a brief refractory period until it can come again. Because once we hit the first day of spring, then winter is coming. I mean, yeah. Do everything, turn, turn, turn. You know? that's. I guess that's why they did that. I don't know what song that was, but it was great. You don't know? That was the, you know, it was some 60s group. I want to say the mamas and the papas, but it's, I'm sure it's not. It's like the, the platters 60s or something. Even too old for you. I appreciate. Okay, first of all, backhanded compliment. Even. <laughs> even? <laughs> okay, fuck you. Second of all, I can appreciate things. In fact, I do not understand people who cannot appreciate things from before their lifetime. Are you still optimistic, or have I already ruined it for you? I'm. Great. I'm so optimistic. It's going to be, you're going to work much harder than that. You're going to have to come up with so many more insults and ways to knock me down. They're on their way. I know they are. All right. I'm girding myself. But uh, yes, so spring is here and you're stuffy and you're a dick. So that's what we know. Yay. Should we talk about a bright spot? Yes. Speaking of, because it's so bright and early in the morning, again, we're doing this recording early thing. I I love that you're saying it's bright. You're in a bathroom with all your windows and doors shut. It doesn't mean it's not bright somewhere. (laughs) It's bright outside. It was very bright before I came in here, is what I mean. It's always time for a bright day. (laughs) It's like always time for a cocktail. It's always bright somewhere. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So that means it's always time for coffee, really, somewhere. (laughs) That's how I live my life. Four in the morning. Coffee, coffee, coffee. So it's bright and early, so we're going to talk about the bright spot. Okay. I can't wait. All right. Um, And I can't believe I'm saying this, but our bright spot this week is Guy Fieri. Oh, I like him. Okay. Oh, you like him? Okay. I have spent exactly none of my life thinking about anything that Guy Fieri has done. Because uh, I don't watch a lot of cooking shows, and I certainly am not about the frosted tips. Okay. But at the same time, um, Guy Fieri has recently helped raise over $21.5 million to help unemployed restaurant workers 
through a charity that he has called the Restaurant Employees Relief Fund. I so like he, that. Yeah, he partnered with 50 different companies and got over 1,000 donations to equal more than $25 million. Wow. And was giving out $500 stipends to any restaurant worker. Not, not of his restaurants or anything like that, but unemployed restaurant workers during the pandemic. So spread that money over, and, you know, with, not, with no strings, saying this is money for you because you need money. Right. And you don't have a job because you're a hard-hit restaurant worker. Yeah. Uh, because everybody, like, I, when this pandemic started, I was in food service, you know, like so many of my friends. Uh, and so many people, their livelihoods were truly, truly affected by the pandemic. And that's helping in a small way. I, I mean, like that. It's, it's big. It's $25 million. But, of course, next to the impact that the pandemic has, it's not very big. But it's certainly <laughs> more than I would be able to, to garner and come up with and help in that way. So Guy Fieri is our bright spot because he saw a need and he filled that need. He just opened up a whole bunch of takeout-only restaurants of his food where it's only delivery or takeout there's no in dining experience okay and part of i think part of that logic behind it was he's creating jobs for for people to to cook and and make food where they don't have to worry about people coming in and getting other people sick and that is nice really he's a smart cookie and you know yeah for sure he's doing good stuff so thank you guy he absolutely is and i think i mean i don't expect the name Guy Fieri really to traverse my lips ever again, but uh, it sure caught my attention this week because that is such a needed thing. And I love he Guy's saw Grocery Games. Okay, I'm, it's I'm, that's such fine. a fun show. Good, that's great. I just don't watch any reality or cooking shows except for Nailed It. Really, Nailed It. Nicole <laughs> Byer loves Guy Fieri. Well, that's good. I mean, like people can love whoever they want to. This is you know free country and all that. Love Unless... him. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 I don't think I will. Fine. I appreciate this act that he did. <laughs> Are you ready to have sadness thrust upon your life? I don't know. I kind of want to postpone it because, you know, you have said, you, you've extantly said that it's going to ruin my entire day. So it's like, why should I jump into that? But yes, of course, yes, I'm going to jump into that. <laughs> so the answer is fucking yes. Awesome. <laughs> I want so badly to say my first clue as Kevin Held and then just start. But that's not. You're oh, not a tragedy. Oh, because I'm a tragedy? Because I'm no, a tragedy? No, but the reality nice. is nice. I, ever, ever since I've known you, you are not a tragedy. So I can't do you as an episode. But that was one. That was one way to <laughs> knock me down. Got it? Okay. That was maybe the second or third one. All right. Yeah. I'm keeping track. <laughs> you're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> I go couldn't ahead. even do it. I felt bad before I even did it. So <laughs> there you go. It's true. You had to preface it with how bad you felt. That's funny. Yeah. All right. I'm ready. Please make sure your seatbelt is on and your tray table is up. We're going on an aeroplane. Welcome to Pam Am. Pam Am? Pam Am. Oh, it typoed. Oh, Sorry. okay. I want to go on Pam Am, though. <laughs> Where everyone who flies or works on the airplane has to be named Pam. <laughs> I'll be your captain, Pam, and I'll be your co-pilot, Pam. Pam, Pam. Pam will be coming through with refreshments, and Pam will take your food order. (laughs) Pam, yes, yes, yes. Yes, Pam, yes. Yes, I can help you. (laughs) Ready? Yes. Welcome to Pan Am. 
traveling in style too. Gene Roddenberry. Um is a passenger on this plane. We're gonna talk about the time that Gene Roddenberry flew a Pan Am flight to the stars. Sorta. Kind of? Ish? Kinda. Okay. We're going to talk about the infamous Pan Am Flight 121 or crash of Flight 121. Oh, well, so not so much a flight. <laughs> a short <Okay>. flight. <laughs> not that short. A curtailed flight. Okay. So Was Gene Roddenberry on it? We'll get there. Okay. I found out about this story because I was perusing through Pinterest, as one does in the morning, on the toilet. Yeah, some people watch porn, but yeah, okay. <laughs> On the Pinterest, toilet in the morning? Pinterest. <laughs> porn is good anytime. And Pinterest, <laughs> I suppose, is porn for some people. I, to a degree. Anyway, <laughs> I came upon a comic written about Gene Roddenberry and the infamous Pan Am Flight 121, which would okay. take place on June 18th, 1947. Oh, shit. Well, that was fairly early in, in uh, airline travel, so that's probably not good. So... In this comic, which was written by The Oatmeal, I guess. Oh, I love The Oatmeal. Okay. I learned that Gene Roddenberry was actually a part of the flight crew. Oh. Yeah. The comic says co-pilot, but technically he was the third officer. And that position could fly the plane, but wasn't titled as such. He was like third officer. So he was like... Gene Roddenberry was a pilot? Like was was a professional airline crew pilot for Pan Am before he was the creator of Star Trek? Yeah, he actually was in... He fought in World War II in, I believe, the Air Force. Uh Uh-huh. I would think so, because this is in 1947, so... Yeah, I hope he had some flight experience just just prior to that. (laughs) He he got on his doghouse and he chased a Red Baron. Come on. Oh, wait, that's World War I, isn't it? Uh, Well, it's also Peanuts. I mean, like... (laughs) I don't know that we have to be super accurate about the time frame so I'm much as about sure the flying dog. <laughs> I'm the one with the facts, so I think you should calm down. <laughs> okay. My job is to distress you by the end of this. Well, you do a great job, too, by the way. <laughs> but we, we should um, not worry so much about whether it was World War One or World War Two, and we should just just blow the lid off of this story that's been kept under wraps that the media doesn't want you to know about that gene roddenberry was snoopy yes so focus on that so technically according to wikipedia he was quote deadheading which meant on the flight to get somewhere else or something like that i don't know Mm -hmm. i looked up a lot of this plane stuff and i was like this is too challenging for me so deadheading is still like you're required to travel to somewhere else so you can work yeah, so this is part like of, that. yeah, this is like your commute, and they're, and they're yeah. covering your commute. Okay. So let's get some context of the plane, which would later be given the title Flight 121, shall we? Later? It didn't have that title when it, like, took off? Well, yeah, no, but we're going to learn about it before it was Flight 121. Oh, that plane. On yeah. the, all the other flights it did. Okay, got it. It was a type of plane model called Lockheed L049 Constellation. So okay. that's the plane model. Full disclosure, my parents all worked for Lockheed, all, all my parents, meaning my mother, my father, and my stepfather, wow. all worked for Lockheed uh, over different at different times. I had never heard of Lockheed until now, but I'm glad really? that they're employing wonderful people. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, I grew up in, on, you know, I grew up on the largesse of the 
military industrial complex. Yes, I did. Cool. Yeah. So the plane itself was called the Clipper Eclipse. That was its like name. Okay. Because they name each plane so they know which one they're talking about. I'm like, wow. If you name it, you're just gonna get attached, and that's just gonna be terrible for you. You mean it was the model fine. plane? The model of the plane was called, or that specific plane was like named the Clipper Eclipse. That specific plane was called okay. the Clipper Eclipse. The model was Lockheed L zero four nine Constellation. Okay, got it. So earlier in the week, the plane had been having some engine problems. Like earlier before the, the night of the infamous flight. Okay. In fact, during one flight, it was turned around and the plane was grounded for two days while they fixed things. Oh. There had been a failure in in a, a piston in engine number two. Is this killing you? Is this killing you, talking about all this engine stuff and, and technical things? No, I didn't really like technical things. I don't oh. know quite what's going on. I'm not a mechanic. I can fiddle with shit and I right. fix stuff. I don't know anything about it at all like if you ever see me on the side of the road with my hood up it's completely as a signal like a flag like there's something wrong the hood up has nothing to do with my being able to do anything about the car if i have to put the hood up on my car i'm standing at the car and i'm sticking my leg out like miss scarlet in the clue movie to get someone to stop that like i i have a box cutter in my car just so i can slip my pants if i have to (laughs) i consider it i consider it a uh, part of my road safety kit. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a requirement. So, all right. That wasn't the only problem with this particular plane that week. No. No, it also crashed. P.S. So, <laughs> we quote, know this. Quote from Wiki. Quote, a further problem was found in that engine later in the week while in Rome. Captain Joseph Hart. <laughs> when in Rome. <laughs> crash into stuff. Captain Joseph Hart Jr., 42 years old, and Chief Purser Anthony Volpe were walking under the wing when Volpe spotted what he thought was oil dripping from the engine. It turned out to be hydraulic fluid and required a replacement pump to be installed. Well, it's a good thing they took that little stroll, isn't it? So, just keep in mind, this is engine number two. Ah, sure. Well, I don't think they replaced the entire engine. But then again... I don't know what I'm talking about. So, okay. They've now fixed the problems. Fixed yeah, uh, the problem he, he, with the plane. Uh, he did air quotes, everybody. He did air quotes. And people are ready to use it again. They're like, we're good to Great. go. I put Fantastic. some duct tape on it. Get the little alcohol bottles on there and let's go. <laughs> Pam, get me some alcohol. <laughs> Pam. So now that they're ready to fly again with all the Pams. Oh, God. Captain Pam. (laughs) The flight crew consisted of Captain Hart and First Officer Robert McCoy, along with the dead-headed Roddenberry. 100% McCoy is the template for Dr. McCoy on Star Trek. 100%. Very likely. Okay. So they had 36 passengers and were heading to New York from Karachi, which I believe was in Pakistan? One site said Calcutta, the other sites said Karachi, so I'm going with Karachi. Okay. They also had a guy named Nelson Miles, who was their radio man, I guess. Okay. And Volpe was there, the chief purser. Again, I don't know what a chief purser is, but I'm guessing- How big is this fucking cockpit? That's my question. They've got like seven people in there. Well, I don't think Nelson or Volpe were in the cockpit. I think it was just the three of them. They were both in the bathroom. Becoming members of the Mile High Club. <laughs> oh, Volpe. Oh, Volpe. We're miles up above in miles. Oh, 
I don't know. That was a <laughs> disappointing no. joke. This is a bone. No, it was a boner killer for Miles. Unfortunately, oh. that's, that's when it died for him because he was not about puns. Sorry, it turns me way on. Look, I'm hard as a rock right now, but Miles, unfortunately, <laughs> different guy. So, all right, they needed to stop in Istanbul for the first part of their journey back to New York. So they're going from Karachi to Istanbul first. Right. This is when planes could go like 400 miles at a time. And whoop, yeah. Whoop whoop. <laughs> blue, blue, blue. <laughs> yeah, basically. And to, before we land in New York, we're going to skip along the Atlantic for a little while. <laughs> so it was expected that this trip would take ten and a half hours. <laughs> Instead, it took the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. For the first five hours, things were going smoothly. That's hey, good job. Well done. Halfway there. But then the captain had to take a bathroom break, and Roddenberry was selected to take over. And then he immediately crashed the plane. (laughs) Well, I don't understand why Robert McCoy didn't take over, but maybe he had a bathroom break, too. So... Damn it, he's a co-pilot, not a pilot. (laughs) I only assist. (laughs) I'm here for moral support. I don't know how to fly. Do you want me to flip buttons? I will. I don't know what's going to happen. This whole time, I've told you, you're doing great. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) So, all right. Just to take note of this, there's four engines on this plane. Okay. And during this time, while Roddenberry's flying, engine number one had a problem arise. Okay. An exhaust rocker arm developed a problem of some sort, and something technical happened. So Roddenberry did something else technical and shut down that engine from working. He was like, you're done. I'm going to nod like I do when my stepdad is talking about car parts and say, you know, and seem like I understand what you mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm sure you're thinking like, what the fuck? He turned off a fucking engine? Fuck that. Oh, they have three more. I feel like it's fine. Yes. Apparently this plane could work with three engines. Well, <laughs> not so. Well, it did crash, so not so great. <laughs> like, so he was wrong. <laughs> Apparently, it could work with three engines, but actually, no. The other engines were struggling to keep up with the heavy workload that was now thrust upon them. Ah. And just like Elphaba, who had wickedness thrust upon her, they took to the western skies, claiming that the Captain Hart could never bring them down. Yeah, well, they did not defy gravity quite as well. (laughs) They were like, they they didn't sing and everything, but they were like, fuck you. This is too much for me. They did hit some of the same notes, though, going down. <laughs> I, really, I really want to do it, too. I don't want to. Do it. It's time. <laughs> so, all right. Captain Hart would come back, and he would be like. <laughs> be like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I went to pee. Yeah. We're crashing. <laughs> so he comes back and he's like, what happened, bro? And Roddenberry right. was like, no, no, it's cool. We're cool. We got to three engines. And Captain Hart's like, cool, cool, cool. We can totally Damn it, make I'm it. a deadheader, not a pilot, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Hart's like, we can totally make it happen with three engines. And there's no place we can stop to fix it because I don't no. like any of the places we could stop to fix it because their facilities aren't good enough. So, like, we're going to keep going. So, okay. Yeah. The engines are now like, no, 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 it's too hot. I'm angry. It's sure. too hot. It's <laughs> I love I love the party that's going on on that plane. 
Uh, but at the time, I mean, I get it. Like, there's not like a friendly airport you could just drop into, right? I mean, it's 1947. Well, and you're in, you're over Karachi, and you're like, you're you're just traveling through like thousands of miles of desert. Well, there were a bunch of airport air strips, strips landing that probably. they could have right, landed. Band aids on the ground. Yeah, but they were like the facilities weren't great. I guess I'm sure. not sure. I, either way, Captain Hart's You've like, got these fancy jet. You know, flying passengers behind you—they're not going to take some, you know, lonely airstrip in the desert that just has a vending machine. Okay, these people are used to small bottles of alcohol for free. Yeah, they've all got like seven feet of leg room. <laughs> they are not going to stand for that. You're landing where? <laughs> so Captain Hart's like, it's the plane is too hot. I need to cool it down. They're so like, we are in the desert. It's nighttime. We are in the desert at night. So it should have been cold. Anyway, he starts to lower the plane. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Good point. I know nothing about planes or flying. Fine. Thank you. Piston. Engine. Oil. I'm, I'm, I'm getting pistoned. <laughs> All right. So Captain Hart's like, I'm going to lower the plane to cool it down even more. I mean, I'm going to have to assume that works because that was the thing he tried to do. Sure. I don't know. He, he did that and he then turned off a whole bunch of shit. And he's like, this will help. Sorry, you can't watch that movie anymore, people. <laughs> so then he called around and was like, Flying fam, where do I go to get this fixed? <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's I'm like just going to let that go. The old Facebook, you know, like, hey. Absolutely. Hey, Facebook fam. Um, which, by the way, anytime <laughs> I fucking ask for help on social media, everyone's like, Google it. And I'm like, if I, I'm asking, it means I've already Googled. Sure. You knew they were in trouble when the radio, when over the radio it came... Uh, hey, hive mind. <laughs> Over the radio, someone just went, Google it. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking mansplaining asshole. Anyway, quote from Wiki. Quote, the Royal Air Force Field at Habania suggested that the Eclipse should land there, but Hart was worried once again about repair facilities and decided to press on. A cockpit okay. alarm activated at around 11.30 p.m. indicating <laughs> that the number two engine had caught fire. The uh, cockpit alarm sounded like this. Moron! 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 <laughs> so, they tried to put out the fire somehow. I guess they have tricks to put out engine fires, but that didn't work. They, yeah, they throw tiny bottles of alcohol at it. Made it way worse. That seems like a problem. <laughs> well, this was early days of aviation. Don't forget. <laughs> so... We don't do that anymore. The fire actually got hotter and hotter to the point where magnesium involved lit on fire as well. Ha! <sighs> fires, man. Am I right? Which, what I can read, magnesium fires means very bad fire. I expect so. You don't really usually hear about magnesium getting involved. <laughs> I think if magnesium's on fire, it's probably you're getting close to supernova. Magnesium was like, hey, nice fire you got there be a shame if i got involved and fucked you up <laughs> i think that magnesium is a creepy guy at a party <laughs> i know you're a nurse but uh let me mansplain to you how doctoring works <laughs> or nursing works i guess <laughs> i don't know how to mansplain oh i'm sure i know how to mansplain every man in involuntarily mansplains at some point in their life um, uh, I don't think that's true. Uh, I have several reasons that I think that. <laughs> anyway, Hart sent Roddenberry to the cabin to tell people they were about to crash. Um, okay, and Roddenberry wished he was at the cabin that he used to go to with his grandfather fishing. 
Uh, and then he told Radio Man Miles to call for SOS help. Miles, clean up that splooge and call for help. <laughs> I also like the idea that he's like, hey, Roddenberry, I've got an important job for you. You're going to go to the cabin and tell all of the passengers we're about to crash. <laughs> Roddenberry, you're a storyteller. Craft this one. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to weave an epic tale of the, their imminent death. <laughs> so Ronberry went back and said, all right, well, we're about to go where no man has gone before. Ooh. <laughs> so Roddenberry <laughs> basically goes into the cabin and tells everyone, we're going to be okay, but they would be experiencing a crash landing. <laughs> I just want to, for first, I want to say we're going to be fine. <laughs> Second, I want to say that some of us are probably going to die. <laughs> uh, he then told all the flight attendants and the chief purser, Volp. I still don't know what that job is. I guess I guess a chief purser is like a head flight attendant. Well, if, we, if this was video, I would show you a facial expression of what the purser would do. But uh, since it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Since it's audio, I don't know. I can't. There's nothing. He would go like this. So he told he told the chief purser, like, sit in your seats. And they all sat in their seats. So the, the flight attendants all got to their seats and everything. Okay. He then told everyone in the cabin what to prepare for. He's like, so here's what's going to happen. We're going to crash. Okay. Good. So I, you're prepared. Yeah. Good. Just so I wanted <laughs> you to know. Um, <laughs> I'm here to prepare you. We're going to crash. You're prepared. By the way, this is like my nightmare, right? Right. Sure, of so, course. Yeah. Uh, Although, it wouldn't it be tempered a little bit if Gene Roddenberry was telling you that? I didn't. He, he's a nobody at this point. He was never a nobody. You take <laughs> it the fuck back. <laughs> so, all right. After his TED Talk about crashing, he went and found a seat three <laughs> rows back. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I'll see you in the afterlife. <laughs> so, in short... We're going to crash. <laughs> Great TED Talk. Wow. So <laughs> he went and found a seat three rows back from... Uh, he went and found a seat three rows from the back and sat in it. Then, then he sat with the people he just told they were going to crash. Yeah. But don't worry. I'm here with you. <laughs> That's crazy. How would you like to be in the seat next to him and be like, uh... <laughs> That'd be so awkward. <laughs> so, uh, I hear we're going to crash, huh? Uh, yeah. So, uh, where are you from? <laughs> now is <Wh> not the <laughs> time. <laughs> so, where did you live? <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you do in your uh, previous life? <laughs> so, all right. So, you're sitting down, right? At this point, because of that hot magnesium, yes. So that hot magnesium fire, uh, the wing was now engulfed in flames. Oh, fuck. So Okay. After that, There are window seats to this plane, too. Absolutely. The entire plane yeah. has all the lights off now to save power, in quotes, because <laughs> what power do they have fucking left? So, also, what light do they need with a wing on fire? Yeah, the entire plane is illuminated with the flames from the wings. That's horrifying. But then darkness would come because the wing would fall off the plane. <laughs> no. <laughs> so are you how are you okay? Are no, you okay? I'm actually in a full panic right now. <laughs> but I'm laughing because that's how I have to get through this. 
Sure, because you're hey, you're sitting in Sherman Oaks. Yes. All right. You're sitting in a house. You are okay. Okay. But if I hear anything go bang, I'm going to lose my mind. So, oh. remember Oh, I'm praying. I'm praying. <laughs> I'm praying that there's a fender bender outside of your house. So, so I can remember see it. how the wings have oil and fuel lines? Not well, one of them does. Well, <laughs> when the wing fell off, those became exposed and those lit on fire. <laughs> oh, so now there's just flames shooting out of the side of the plane. Yes. Okay, that you can't really fly on those. No. So I guess at this point, a passenger screamed. <laughs> That's what they waited for? They knew how polite were people in 1947? Jesus Christ. So Roddenberry was like... Nowadays, we don't even wait till the plane takes off before the screaming starts. <laughs> I scream every jump, every bump. A little turbulence, and I'm like, what the fuck with that? And everyone around me is like, you need to calm down. <laughs> Plus, all you need is one guy without who refuses to wear a mask, and just the screaming and hitting and hair pulling starts. Oh, my God. So Roddenberry heard the passenger scream, right? And was like, what's the problem? He He's like, okay, okay, I'm going to make you feel better, okay? And he, <laughs> okay, it looks bad. Okay, it looks bad. <laughs> he ran over to her and said, it's going to be okay. <laughs> He legit did that. <laughs> but how does he know that? Oh, he doesn't know that. So I don't know that. Within seconds of him going to her to comfort her, the plane would crash on the ground. And he was no longer wearing a safety <gasps> belt. Okay. So he was thrown around the cabin oh. and would break two ribs instantly. Oh, my God. Boom, bang, broken, right? Oh, but He got up at the moment they hit the ground? Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, so <laughs> the plane crashed down in the Syrian desert at 3.30 a.m. local time. Fantastic. That seems like where you want to be. So upon impact, 15 people were killed. Oh. Eight of the passengers and seven crew. Oh, no. Seven crew? Which I also am curious. Like, they had 35 passengers. They had a fuck ton of crew on this plane. Like They did. Yeah. Like, now they fly, like, 200 people, and they're, you're lucky if you've got, like, six crew. And it's just Pam. <laughs> it's just literally a bottle of spray Pam. <laughs> She's supposed to make things smoother. <laughs> so, the only crew who survived were the purser, ah. a flight attendant, and Roddenberry, I believe. Okay. Fuck. So, when the plane crashed land... What happened was the plane ripped in half, oh. which allowed for some passengers to escape out the side of the burning plane. Yeah, okay. So, like, it crashes, and they did a really good job of crash landing it. So the captain, who's dead, you know, right. rest in peace, he, like, did everything he needed to do to try to land it as best as possible. With one wing and in the desert. he had one sure. wing. Yeah, one fucking wing. It's on fire, everything. So, all right. Yeah. It crashed. The passengers were like, if the... Other wing hadn't fallen off. We might not. Less people might have died because it would have crashed less badly. Well, um, yes, I guess you know. So, <laughs> shoulda, coulda, woulda. I mean, yes. I mean, if you no one chose for the wing to fall off, I guess. So uh, Roddenberry and the other crew began to evacuate the surviving passengers. Roddenberry himself would help a woman whose safety belt had become stuck. He mm. like got her free, which is great because the plane's on fire. Uh, yeah. No. Yes. You want to not be there. He also attempted to stop some of the fires with a pillow that he grabbed. So <laughs> that was great. Sure. 
He's like, put out the fire with a pillow. <laughs> uh, Gene, I need you to focus on the people. <laughs> Pam's like, Gene, all is lost. The oven is on fire. Pam, do not spray yourself at this. <laughs> so eventually Roddenberry couldn't go back for more survivors because the plane was fully on fire at this point. Oh, man. Quote from Snopes.com, quote, the last passenger Roddenberry pulled out died in his arms. Oh. End quote. So God. That's, Roddenberry. That's, this, this got way intenser yeah. than I was expecting for 930 on a Friday. You're welcome. Thank you. So Roddenberry. You fully brought me down, just so you, <laughs> just so you know. I am. You are not Alphaba, and was, you were brought down. It was the project of your morning, and it is now complete. Congratulations. I mean, I feel great. So I have to get through this whole rest of this fucking day now. <laughs> Roddenberry would then take command of the group of survivors because he was the highest ranking officer. Okay. And everyone's like, you're a deadheader. And he's like, I'm alive. <laughs> Jeez, I'm an alive header. Yeah. So That's the thing to focus on now. He got them patched up the best he could with the first aid kits that they got off the plane. Sure. Um, and would attempt to figure out the best course of action, right? It's like three in the morning. There's... Only the light that they have is the vehicle they were on is ablaze. Oh, wow. Sure. <laughs> um, so the next morning, Roddenberry would claim um, – he would tell people when interviewed later, he'd claim that desert tribesmen would approach them and would rob them of stuff. Hey, saw your fire. Yeah. <laughs> so he claims that the desert tribesmen basically came and they're like, we're going to like take all your shit and kill you, I guess. And he's like, please don't kill us. Just rob us. We just crash landed. It's pretty traumatic. So you can just yeah. take the stuff and go. And they did? They did. Apparently, he had enough charisma to do that. This is where people start to get a little bit like, we're not sure if he's like adding to the story or enhancing it. But other people didn't dispute it. So I, some of the sites were a little shady. Oh. Other sites were like, no, Roddenberry's a fucking hero. I'm inclined to believe the hero story. I'm going to go with the hero story. Yeah. He, the man is buried among the stars. Let's say he's a hero in this yeah, situation. Well, no, and also, like, none of the passengers disputed all of his claims. So, like, there if someone go. else could have been like, no, the fucker just did this. Like, we didn't yeah, have any Yeah, he pushed my grandmother in front of him as a human shield. That's, yeah. That story did not come out. <laughs> If we're crashing, you're going down first, Granny. <laughs> You've lived your life. He just became a completely different person in the moments <laughs> before the crash. I love it. So, all right. After the Desert Tribesman experience, he noticed some telegraph poles in the distance. Oh, yeah. Follow those. So he would order two teams to go out in either directions in the hopes that they would reach a town or outpost quickly. He would yeah. go with one. The other would go the others. I guess... They left some survivors who couldn't make the trip at the plane. Yeah. And then some local townsfolk showed up and oh, robbed great. the remaining people. So oh, the no. Only thing, yeah. The only thing left that they had were their clothing. And I'm like. And now they're naked and in the desert? No, no. They had their clothing. Oh, I they see. They left they, the clothing on the people. They were like. They just was like, uh, we uh, came to rob you of the stuff that the other guys did not rob you of yet. <laughs> uh, nope. No help. No help this time. Just That's robbing. a nice uh, Gucci bag you got. Uh, be a shame if I took it from you. Is that a Birkin? Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, all right. 
Roddenberry was lucky, and four miles into his journey, he would reach the town of Mayaden. That's, well, I we assume it's lucky. Everyone they've met come so far has just robbed them. But Apparently, okay. yeah. So yeah. he uh, was able to call for help there, and the Syrian army was dispatched and rescued the other survivors out in the desert. So Roddenberry now, by the way, saved people on the plane, broke ribs, and then, you know... Saved probably everybody's life by talking the first band of thieves out of killing them all. Right. And then walked through the desert with two broken ribs for four miles. After carrying people out of the plane with broken ribs as well. Yes. So, hero. We have found the hero of the story for sure. Yes. So, when he made the call, of course the media was like, what happened? What happened? Plane crash, plane crash. And they were like... (laughs) Holy shit. Did the Clipper America crash? Wasn't named the fucking Clipper America, but the Clipper America was making its maiden voyage. So they're like, oh my God, the brand new plane crashed. But they were like, no, it's the Clipper Eclipse. And then they were like, oh yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course. We all knew that thing was a rat trap. Yeah. (laughs) So the others from the flight would be sent home really quickly. But Roddenberry would stay for two weeks in Syria to answer questions and figure out what happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. To kind of be, he was, he's now the ranking officer. So right, he he's now the needs to... ranking officer who survived the thingy, yeah. Yeah. He would be the one who knew what had happened. So the three surviving crew, the purser, Pam, the, sure. <laughs> the flight attendant, and uh, Roddenberry, would receive awards for their service, and in February of 1948, they would officially declare the reason the plane went down was because they failed to replace the second engine when problems came up. Okay, so it so was now they know mechanical failure and like a company failure too. Right. So they yeah. they now know like if there's a problem with an engine and then a second problem with an engine, instead of just patching it, you take the engine out and put a new one in. Ah, so that's what done. they do now. Done. Okay. I guess so. I mean, sure. Again, I have to just nod and pretend like I know what you're talking about. Yes, yes, Uh yes. Of course, Uh of course, yes. Uh So Uh according to the oatmeal cartoon, this crash would lead him to leaving Pan Am and heading to... That is, by the way, this is is our source material, everybody. It's a cartoon. But (laughs) that's fine. That's what you come to us for. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not wrong. Snopes said it was right. There you go. He survived a crash. This I think is, some of the details confirmed. are slightly off, but okay, fine. No. They're just so, nicely illustrated. Go ahead. It was nicely illustrated. <laughs> also, and when I read the initial cartoon, they don't reveal it with Gene Roddenberry till the end. Oh. And I was like, oh, shit. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> so I like that we knew the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he left Pan Am and headed to LA in pursuit of his dream of writing TV and would create Star Trek. I don't know. It didn't really pan out for him, unfortunately, but, um, (laughs) he's still a hero. Yeah. So what is the bright side? Not that nobody died, but no, certainly that fewer people died than would have if Gene Roddenberry had not been there. So this is going to be a weird bright side and bear with me until i get to the end of it but first the crew acted as best as they could for the most part after they acted stupidly with the when they realized the engines were in trouble and didn't land because they didn't like the airstrips they they should have listened to their that land like we should land and just like wait and get someone to send us shit yeah but because they did the crash procedures right a lot more people survived than would have. 
Yeah. Yeah, to the the mere fact that you could land a plane with one wing at all, crash land or no, like, that's incredible. Right. And the horrible event did inspire Roddenberry to go after his dream career, and he did it. Yeah. And, and it, it seems like it also inspired policy changes in terms of mechanical problems at Pan Am. I think so. As well. So, seems like. So, that's another bright spot. It was like, it's probable that further crashes were avoided because of what they learned from this one. Yeah. And, and you know, I got to say, this felt like an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> A little it really bit. did. Like if you yeah. if you play out the way it went, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, this is. I've seen this episode on Star Trek before. We've With seen McCoy this. and everything. Yeah, and so it's like he ended up creating a series that has become one of the most inclusive universes mm-hmm. in our film universe. Yeah, and he did so gracefully, and he fought for people, and yeah, it's Roddenberry for the win. Gene Roddenberry is amazing, and it is interesting. I had no idea about – well, I had no idea about any of this, that he, like, survived that kind of thing and was a leader in that situation. But it's interesting, too, that he spent so much time, like, in cockpits, basically the bridge of a ship, yep. you know, of a flying ship that uh, went from place to place and had adventures and stuff. So uh, you can kind of see the seed of Star Trek in, in, in that. Yeah. And there's even a McCoy. Yeah. He mm. apparently was – he based his officers for Starfleet based on his time in World War Two. That makes sense. Which makes sense again. And it's mm-hmm. it's like, it's good stuff. It is good stuff. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. It's awesome to know this part of Roddenberry's history as well. I had no idea. And have like even more respect for the person, <laughs> you know? Yeah. At this point. So thank you for sharing that with us. Were you traumatized when you were researching this? Honestly, I kind of felt hopeful knowing that, like, you could survive a plane crash. (laughs) So Good. (laughs) Good. Well, then I think I I suggest to you that you go and look at a lot more plane crash uh, stories so you can really live in that world for a bit. I don't think I need to. I think I'm okay. Okay. All right, then. Well, thank you for this. I hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, I will. We will be releasing this hopefully at the normal time. And then next week, I will be so vacationed. It's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be crazy. Going on actual vacation this coming weekend. So very excited about that. Yay. Yeah. Oh, and for our listeners out there, get vaccinated. Yeah, sure. Oh, the eligibility in California has expanded to like everybody over 16. It's crazy. And it's exciting. And soon enough, uh, we're hoping that Pfizer will be uh, approved for 12 and up. And uh, once that happens, get your kids vaccinated. Or your Absolutely. teens or whatever. Your, your tweens. Your tweens. Get called. your tweens vaccinated. Whatever they're called these days. It feels like a wrong thing to say. Get get the tweens and bring them all to me. That That is the weird thing to say. It, you're that's not basically vaccinating what... them. Take them to the vaccination site. That's what California is essentially saying. Bring all your tweens to me so I may stick them with this thing. No. That's what they said. No. That was an official fucking press release from Gavin Newsom said that. The bright side does not agree with what Kevin just said. Half of it does. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye. So the good news is we have more little bottles of alcohol. Hey.
the bad news is we will be making a crash landing in the next five to ten minutes. <sighs> we hope you've liked this episode of The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. If you did, please throw us some stars and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps others find the show. And if you didn't, just keep it to yourself or tell your diary. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Brightside K and J, and on Facebook at The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. All our past episodes are also streaming on our website, www.thebrightsidewithkevinandjason.com. Until next week, don't forget to look, look on, on the, the bright, bright side. side.